Before we start today's podcast, the Truth About Aging wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Truth About Aging. I wanted to say firstly, Thank you to all the beautiful new humans who have started following the podcast. Also, thank you to the lovely people that probably, well, I'm assuming had referred people on as well. We've had a number of new people come along and quite an increase in downloads over the last couple of weeks. So welcome new faces. Thank you for coming and joining our little community. I really hope there is something for you to take away from here. I believe really strongly in the power of conversation and information sharing and I really hope this is a space where you can find out a little bit more about something that you might not have known about for yourself or for your loved one but thank you for joining us and it's an absolute joy to have extra people along the ride. I also want to do something a little different and dedicate today's episode to my beautiful step-nan, Jean, who passed away about a month ago now. Um, today we're going to be talking all about palliative care and I really think Jean, or little Jeannie Bell, <laughs> she was affectionately called, had a really beautiful, peaceful, supportive, lovely death. And it's something that I don't think we talk about in our culture very often, but having been able to witness and be part of it, it really was a huge, huge privilege. And I think just epitomized how beautifully palliative care can be done when it's done well. So thinking of you, Jeannie, this one's for you. And I hope we can really unpack some of that today. So episode 20, palliative care. I felt that off the back of last week's episode about advanced care planning, it's really important for people to understand what palliative care is, how it can be provided, and what it really entails for people. Because if you don't know what options you have ahead, it can be hard to even make advanced care plans because you don't know what your options are available to you. So I wanted to talk a bit through that today. So we'll start off with what is palliative care? So palliative care, as defined, and I'll give you the reference to um, palliativecare.org.au. They're kind of the Australian body for palliative care and a wealth of knowledge and resources available on their site. They also help direct you to service providers state by state. um, So it helps you find people local in your area as well. So they define palliative care as person or family-centered care provided for a person with an active, progressive, advanced disease 
who has little or no prospect of cure and is expected to die, and for whom the goal, primary goal, is to optimize quality of life. So I think I just wanted to start with when someone might be considered palliative. So often the reference that we use within aged care and what's becoming, I think, a bit more accepted is what they call the surprise question. So the surprise question is, would you be surprised if that person that's aging or unwell or potentially dying, would you be surprised if that person were to die within 12 months? So that can be determined by medical professionals, by even sometimes family can have a really good indication if they know someone's declining. And particularly, I guess, if they have some kind of health or medical background, you do kind of get a feel for what's just aging and what's that real more end of life kind of stage. So the surprise question helps give some kind of parameter on, are we even entering palliative or palliative care for an individual? Because it really is more than just the last few hours or days or weeks of their life. It's really the lead up to that and the support and structures that we can put around people to help ease and guide them through that experience. So if you're not sure if someone is palliative, it is normally as that other definition defined related to an active progressive or advanced disease that there is no cure from but it's also I guess kind of linked to that surprise question would you be surprised if that person were to die within 12 months now end of life care normally refers more to the last few weeks of a person's life when they're rapidly approaching death so what's incorporated in palliative care is a number of different things. And I think it's really important to be aware of it's so much more than just physical care. It encompasses emotional, spiritual, social. It's really based on the needs of that individual. So it can change a bit from person to person, but it's a really holistic view of the care provided to that individual. So some services, for example, might be things like pain relief or relief of symptoms if someone's vomiting or short of breath, linking people in with equipment and care for them to be able to stay at home, assistance for families to be able to come together and talk about sensitive issues, linking in with other services can provide help at home or maybe even other streams of funding for services, support for people to meet their cultural obligations because as we know all different cultures deal with death and dying differently and being able to be culturally sensitive and aware to people's requirements and provide them support with that can be a really big part of palliative care as well. There's also support for emotional, social or spiritual concerns, counselling and grief support and also referrals for things like respite care services. So all of those things can be delivered, I guess, for the individual and for their family, but it kind of gives you an idea of some of the different services that can be included under the banner of palliative care. So the next thing I wanted to walk through is where can palliative care be provided? So there's a lot of different environments that palliative care can be provided in. It might be at home, in hospital, in a hospice or in a residential care facility. 
people can indicate their preferences as to what they might prefer. Often it will also be determined on the nature of their illness, how much support is available for them from their family and their friends, and whether someone has someone at home who can provide the physical care and support for them if it's their wish to be at home. So I'll talk through a little bit about at-home palliative care to start with. So it is completely possible for people to choose to die at home and to palliate at home. There are costs associated with services provided to die at home. However, there's a number of different funding streams that can be accessed, either through things such as a home care package. There is often state-based palliative care funding by specialist palliative care teams and There can also be private paying services for palliative care at home. So there's a number of different options about what that might look like. Typically, it's something that requires a bit of planning and organization. So I guess an illness that might be slowly declining or something that you have a little bit of time to stop and pause and reflect and set things up for because As I'm sure you can imagine, there's certain pieces of equipment that are required for palliative care. You know, it's not uncommon for people to need a hospital bed that can rise and be adjusted as people provide care for them. There can be a few fairly expensive items associated with that. Now, that doesn't mean they all have to be purchased. There's certainly um, ones that are available for hire. And again, some of those funding streams can look after that for you. So if it's something that you want to explore, it's worth having those discussions as we touched on last episode sooner rather than later, just to understand what palliative care at home might look like for you and if that's a possibility in your current situation. Now, as I touched on, depending on your prognosis and what care is required for you, that may determine which kind of care model is going to be most suitable. But if it is your wish to palliate at home, certainly ask the questions and even at that time, even if you're not able to express them, if you've got substitute decision makers or very clearly outlined advanced care directives, those things can be put in place for you or at least have people asking the right questions to see if something like that is possible. Now, at-home care does also rely quite a bit on having family, community members, people that can provide care for you when there's not healthcare professionals there. So the reality is you're not going to receive 24-hour care at home. So there is quite a reliance on normally family to be able to provide care when there's not other care providers there. Now, I think again, this is something that can be really worth actually stopping to reflect on. For some individuals, it might be quite confronting for you to provide care for your loved one in the home. I know we've had clients talk about before not wanting to have someone pass away in the bed that they've always slept next to their partner on or family members not wanting to associate the family home with the place that someone died. Now, it's, again, worth having these discussions up front about how that works for you and your family. But I think as someone who would be providing the care, it's worth really stopping to think about whether that's something you can offer for someone. And I should say it's done beautifully so many times by family, community members, people just chipping in to all come together to be able to provide that care for someone in the last few 
weeks or days of their life. But I think it's also worth just being aware of the significant toll that will take on you as a carer as well. Personally, I think it's something that you can really consider such a privilege to be able to provide someone in the last few days or weeks of their life, but there is absolutely no shame in being able to put your hand up and say, actually, that's really confronting for me. I don't think I can do that physically, emotionally, whatever reason there is for it. So worth considering that because it is a big demand on family, community, friends to provide support in that environment as well. So hospital is kind of one of the other environments. This is probably not most people's preferred option. However, I've certainly had clients before that have said, I don't want to do that to my family at home and I'd rather be taken to hospital for my last few days or weeks so that it happens in an environment outside of the home. Really up to individual people's preferences and choices in that. So hospital can provide palliative care. They're obviously quite well equipped as they've got staff there 24-7. You have access to the doctors and specialists that you need to. They can really, I guess, particularly things like pain management can be quite responsive to things like that because there are staff on hand 24-7. So it is an option for people to maybe stay at home as long as they can and when they get to that final kind of end stage, be transferred to hospital for the end stages of their care. One of the other environments in a hospice, so hospice settings are really, I guess, specialised for providing palliative care for people. Again, it's another transition where you might decide I'll stay at home as long as I can and then move over to a hospice. Sometimes as well, people might go from hospital if there's been an acute episode, they might go from hospital and then transition into a hospice. But there are hospices available that can provide care and support for people during that phase as well. And then lastly, in a residential care facility. So most residential care facilities or pretty much all of them are equipped for palliative care and a number of people do pass while in their care. If there's something that becomes, I guess, a bit more complicated or there's something that's going on that they feel isn't as manageable within the home, they will often transfer people to hospital, as is what happened with our beautiful little genie. But so a residential aged care facility are well-equipped and trained to provide palliative care. They often, most facilities have things set up for supports for family as well. It's not uncommon for places to have a, a special kind of family breakout room or somewhere where families can stay while they're providing palliative care so that they can be more present and close by. It is something that's, I guess, really well set up and established for that. So if dying within a residential aged care facility is what you'd like to do and that's where you're already at, I guess, in your progress in, in accommodation, then that's something that can occur too. So I think I just wanted to come back quickly just to our beautiful Jeannie's experience in that she was in a residential care facility up until about a week before she passed, a little bit less than that, and was transferred to hospital after having a bit of an acute health episode. And I know for me personally, I had probably held a little bit of judgment around uh, hospital care provided for palliative care and what that might look like. However, it was completely turned upside down in what I experienced with her death. And it really was such a beautiful place for her to be. The environment was lovely. The family were 
welcomed and very supported. And I should say we're incredibly lucky in South Australia, particularly at that time, to not have any restrictions based on how many visitors could come or go. And I know even at the time we acknowledge the huge privilege in being able to do that because I know that hasn't been the same for so many people in other states and territories that my heart goes out to people that can't be there for their loved ones in those final days or who are really having to be careful about who attends when and what hours you can go. It really breaks my heart that that's happening. But so we were incredibly grateful that a number of the family members could visit, spend time with and be there as she slowly left us. And I think it was kind of up until that experience, I didn't realize how beautiful even a death in a hospital can be. I think almost more than the environment and specific place that you are when you die, it is that broader environment about what's created in terms of the culture around dying and being able to have people present with you. I guess, again, it's going to come back to anyone's wishes. Some people wish to die alone. Some people wish to die with their family there. I've been at deaths where people all sit around together, whole family all piled into a room, about 10 or 15, all having a glass of wine and telling stories and laughing together. I've been at others where people are really quiet and somber and go in one at a time and spend time with the individual Death can look so different for so many people and I think that's the beautiful thing about advanced care planning and thinking about palliative care is what you want that to look like for you because everyone's wishes are going to be different and everyone's experience is going to be different but being able to put that into words either in writing or expressing it to your family or substitute decision makers can be a beautiful way to make a really sad time, also a time of great peace and comfort and value to those who are around you. So that's a little bit about palliative care. I just wanted to give some context to some of those different options, what that looks like, just so that if you are advanced care planning, you have an idea about what's available to you and what you might wish for that to look like. So thank you again for joining me this week. I can't believe we're on episode 20. I'm not entirely sure where this time has gone, but it's always a pleasure to bring these episodes to you. And I thank you so much for being here. And I will talk to you all again next week. Bye. Bye.